Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello, and we're back with Ayers on the Road. Thank you for joining us today. We are so delighted that you have chosen to spend a few minutes with us. We, um, we really love our audience, even though we don't know... <laughs> Who we're talking to, but this is the fact that you're here. That's the great so thing, nice. is when we'll be out speaking somewhere or whatever, people will come up and say, hey, I feel like I know you from Ayers on the Road. And we're like, well, <laughs> we feel like we should know you. And actually, we do know them because they wouldn't be listening if they weren't interested in their families. Right, right. And um, their children and their extended families and families beyond and everything so thank yeah. you for joining us from what we can tell the eyes on the road audience if we could ever convene in a big hall or a big stadium or something we would find i think that we have a lot in common and probably the top of that list would be our love for our families not that we don't have and when we say families boy we got to be careful linda because we define families in the broadest possible sense if you don't have if you don't happen to be married or you don't happen to have children that doesn't mean for a second that you're not part of a family you're an aunt or an uncle you're a sibling you're a, uh, a daughter, niece or a, a nephew son. a daughter yeah. a son that's the beauty of families and um, family is where it's at and it all it is also as we're going to get to today important to think about often the fact that we're all part of the human family that we're all brothers and sisters we take that very literally we believe we're all children of the same god and um that families are going to go on and on and so we um we find special solace in that today we really do and we're going to be a little serious we're usually kind of light-hearted as we record this and it is a beautiful day where we are and there's a lot to be grateful for but there's a lot of gravity in our minds today too because we recently lost a member of our family a loved one and um, it was a special experience in a lot of ways and we are so grateful for the very thing we were just talking about Linda for the fact that not only do we have faith in a life after this life and in a loving God, we have, we have faith that we literally are brothers and sisters, and that uh, this beloved family member is on a journey right now. That's I think that's a there's something adventuresome about that word, and I don't think it's wrong to think of it that way. What could be a greater adventure than a journey to another, another place, another sphere? Yeah, another sphere. I think you don't mind sharing that this is your brother, your younger brother. Um, but it, and it well, really I has didn't been wanna, a long I, journey. There's a lot we don't we don't want to share. That, but just think of it as any family member that one of you might lose. And the question is, no, I don't mind people. I mean, that's fine to say. I'm just not ready to talk about it specifically. But uh, just think about the power of thinking of a journey when we were with him just a few nights ago that seemed to be the main word that journey that idea and the idea that even as his body became weaker and weaker his 
his spirit, we really felt that, didn't we, Linda? We did. Was growing stronger, just in almost exact reversal to the weakening and deterioration and impending death of his body, that his spirit was going in exactly the opposite direction, in a in a direction of strength and peace. And enlargement and understanding and so on. It was really been a sweet experience. Um, this was cancer, which and complications and so on. So it wasn't a big surprise, but um, we really are. You know, it makes you have more empathy for so many people listening who have lost loved ones during the pandemic, um, with similar feelings, um, although so sad. So we've been talking, as as you regular listeners know, for the last five weeks. Actually, this is the sixth week that we've had the underlying theme of joy and this wonderful three-letter word joy that means so much more than, than mere happiness. And We've quoted the, the anonymous verse a couple of times. I think I'm going to say it one more time because it's going to be a springboard for some of what we want to talk about today. Happiness is a thing of here and now, a bright leaf in the hand, the moment sun, the fight accomplished or the summit won. When things go well, happiness may start, but joy is secret smiling of the heart. And we, we feel that joy is something that can exist in all kinds of situations, including times of great sorrow, like what we're experiencing now. But But the reason, I think what we want to talk about today is the reason that that joy can persist and the reason I think if we had to put it in one word Linda the reason is faith when we have faith then we see a bigger picture and we're comforted and we are hopefully feeling a kind of joy a level of joy that is very very different from momentary happiness it's very true um in all of, in thinking back of losing all, in many of our family members, our parents, um, so many dear friends, it really has been a, an amazing thing to go through that with them. And, and a really a great learning and growing experience for us, too, on this side. Um, we do have a strong faith that we're going to see each other again and that they have gone on to meet the relatives and friends that they love who've already gone to the other side. I think that gives you so much joy. I cannot imagine thinking that's the end. And I think not many people think that. I think, you know, the majority of people... Not many people don't have that faith at some level. Right, right. right. That um, no matter what religion you are or what, or whether your faith or faithless, I do think that most people believe that there is something when you die and that there is a higher force that takes care of you and and often most often I think that we reunite with our families and many people we have so many friends of different faiths and different lacks of faith but you know I often think of that old little couplet there's there are no atheists in foxholes in right. other words when 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 we're at a perilous time when we're in risk of our own lives or when we're near someone else who's passing. 
there is a there is a power that comes and sometimes it comes unbidden sometimes we just sense something that we're not aware of in our everyday lives just going about everything um we were with this brother a few nights ago with many of his all of his children and and other family members and i really think linda that despite all the sorrow that was there if you had to describe the emotion that was in that room with about what 15 or 20 people yeah that if you had to describe it in one word you would be hard pressed to find a better word than joy yeah that's right i mean it was a deep sorrowful joy Right, right, <laughs> I don't know exactly right. how to explain that. No, that's that, but, exactly right. Um, because we knew that he was, he was about to leave us, but also he was so excited to go. He really was excited to go. That does make a difference. Yeah, yeah. So what we want to do today, and we 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 it takes a little courage maybe to do this, but we wanted to expand on that theme of the deeper joy, the the joy that can include sorrow. and try to give it an explanation or a name or some kind of context and we've been thinking a great deal lately prompted by books that we've read or by other friends that we've had discussions with about the power of for one of a better word and this sounds a little academic but we'll move beyond it the the joy and power that comes from belief in a parental god think about that for a minute um linda's mentioned on the show in the past that there are surveys and such that show that more than 90% of americans it's a little lower in many other countries but still a strong majority say that they believe in a supreme being they believe in in a god of some kind and um The question is what kind of a god is that that is believed in and you could list a lot of things there's a sovereign god there's a powerful god there's um a jealous god a vindictive god if you read the old testament and interpret it in a certain way an unknowable god a body without a god without passions or body or parts a god who is omnipresent omnipotent omniscient and so on and there's probably parts of truth in all those kinds of god but think how the paradigm changes when we think of a parental god of a god now almost all religions and certainly all christians refer to god as father but it's i'm just trying to be blunt and i'm not trying to interpret other people's beliefs but generally speaking it's a metaphor don't you think linda it it's a, right. it's a way to describe his his love he loves us like a parent or whatever but what if you really believe he is our father the father of our spirits how much does that change it is pretty amazing um we've been reading a really wonderful book called all things new by terlin fiona givens and they have given me given, at least given and given given uh, <laughs> me a, a different view i mean not that i didn't think this but solidifying my view that that god is a loving father not just a father uh, figuratively but 
a loving father who cares for us, who mourns with us, who wants the best for us, and who still loves us when we mess up. Truly unconditional love. Truly unconditional. We talk about unconditional love in our parenting lectures and so on, but a perfect unconditional love. It is really amazing that so many people fear God, and I think um, we've been taught that because down through the ages, people who have been in charge of um, spiritual guidance have really gone down the wrong path. Apparently, the original church that Jesus Christ started was good for 300 years. And really taught of a parental, truly parental God. And really taught of a parental God God and a pre-existence and all the things that that we truly believe. And then it just kind of got messed up. Well, the Givens kind of blame Augustine or Augustine, depending on how you pronounce it. who we thought was a saint, but (laughs) apparently he was more... Well, he got focused on on the punishment and on the... um, Power and on the uh, ability that he thought men had to offend God, he got a long way away from the model of a parental God. Yeah, exactly. And then that worked into the whole weirdness of the religions that we know of, the witchcraft and killing people and torturing people for in, in the name of God and so on. And it just got so confused. So we're going to take a little break, but we hope you'll stay with us because when we come back, we're going to talk a little more about this concept of a parental God and get a little more into depth and and tie it in to this theme we've had now for several weeks of joy and, and maybe make the claim that the deepest kind of joy is available through belief in a God who literally is our parent. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back. A little more somber today than usual, um, but I'm talking about something that I think is important to all of us. I was actually not going to mention that it was my brother who passed, and but Linda did, and I'm actually glad she did because it allows us to be more, a little more direct. And um, in the first half of the show, we talked about how this deeper kind of joy that can exist even in sorrow springs from a belief in a, a parental God. Now let's really get to, down to tax here, Linda, because here's the thing: if if a person Believes, or I'm going to say this: even if even if a person only entertains a belief, or acknowledges the possibility of of a belief that God really is more than a powerful sovereign king, that He is literally our parent, that our spirits came from Him, that He is our spiritual Father in a way we don't fully understand, but in a way that is literal. Once you believe that or even entertain that possibility, I want to think for a minute with you about what other things that opens up. First of all, it opens up an ability to believe in a pre-mortal life because if we are really God's children spiritually, 
we existed before this life. We we are right. his children. We lived somewhere else. So you now can begin to think about a pre-life. And secondly, and here's the we've got a list here, but here's the important one. If he is literally our heavenly father, then it is absolutely certain and follows without any possibility of exception that there is also a heavenly mother. There is no father without a mother in a literal sense. And so now we are able to think or comprehend or contemplate one God who is both a heavenly mother. Let me start over. One God who is actually two, a heavenly father and a heavenly mother. And that is an enormously powerful thought. It is. I mean, so... They are individuals, but they're one in the sense that they're one in purpose and one, one in, in what they want to do together and, and accomplish together. So, so let's just think through a little list. Once there is a belief in a parental God, then there is also, there has to be, a belief in a pre-mortal life, a belief in a heavenly mother as well as a heavenly father, a belief that they have a plan for our happiness, that there's a purpose in being here in this mortality. It becomes easier to think about the atonement and about a Savior who literally is our brother, not only in the sense of what he did for us, but in the sense of being a spiritual child of heavenly parents, the same heavenly parents that we are children of. It begins to open up a kind of tolerance. In fact, tolerance is an inadequate word, isn't it, Linda? If you... If, if someone literally believes that God is a father, then it is absolutely a following thought that we are all siblings. Every person, every race, every culture here on earth or have lived before, that literal brotherhood and sisterhood is more than tolerance. It's love. It is. And, and you know, we always talk about God loves everyone. Um, and that's true, but in that sense, we should also love everyone because they're a brother and a sister, literally, in the far distant dim past. But it really is amazing because sometimes people are hard to love. <laughs> that's right. So it opens that up. It opens up the fact that, there mu- that, that something about the afterlife, which we've been thinking a lot about this week, is a place of equalizing a place of justice in the deepest sense we like to think of justice as the opposite of injustice injustice is unfairness or inequality or whatever and there's a lot of that on the earth today but but belief in a parental god dictates to us that there's another place where there is total justice in the sense that those who didn't have certain opportunities here have those opportunities in another sphere before they are judged or before there is a final ending and so on. And that's just natural to believe if we believe in a parental God, right? Yeah, absolutely. So interesting to think about. Um, I do think that thinking that there is a feminine deity there is so comforting to me and to our girls and probably to many of our listeners because... There is something about attaching to a feminine deity that, that gives you a lot of comfort and love. 
Well, and as all you listeners know, we, Linda and I spend our lives um, talking about families, talking to families, trying to help strengthen our own family and other families, and and obviously belief in a parental God and a literally literal Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother puts puts the ultimate priority on family, right? Again, not just your children, but your parents, your siblings, your aunts, your uncles, your cousins, this, this beautiful priority of family because we're all part of God's family and our families in some ways begin to mirror the family of a literal heavenly father and heavenly mother. And what you just said, Linda, the, once you, I, I really believe this, that once people start contemplating a heavenly mother, what happens is, is really quite amazing. I think, I, I think the, <laughs> I hope I can say this right, I don't want to sound mystical or strange, but <laughs> we refer to the earth as Mother Earth. And there's something to that that's more than just a metaphor. I mean, this earth nurtures us, and I think we find Heavenly Mother in nature and in beauty and in art and in poetry. Absolutely. I absolutely agree with that, and especially these few weeks now. We are up at Park City, so it's taken a while for spring to come here. We've been in mud and a lot of melting snow and so on, but... Wow, it is so inspirational to walk outside the door anywhere you are in this hemisphere um, because it is such an absolute delight to just drink in the beauty of nature and to share that with your children and your grandchildren and just to point it out. I mean, just just talking to your children about the fact that no two leaves are the same anywhere and all the billions of leaves they're not exactly the same and it's the same way with us as human beings it really is remarkable and and i do think that nature is connected to our our heavenly mother you know that raises a lot of questions of course i mean people will say well if if we're christian and we read the bible the, the instructions are very clear we're to pray to our heavenly father so where is Heavenly Mother in that. Well, it's kind of our inability to understand things of the Spirit fully, right? And and once the, you click a little something in your brain to say one God, two people, Heavenly Mother, Heavenly Father, perfectly united and so on. But then people would still say, well, why don't we pray to both? Well, we, we probably do. Think of Heavenly Father as a surname that means both. Like if someone says I or they're not talking about me, they're talking about you and I. And I think that's a neat way to think about it. And also, just the whole idea that, uh, and again, this is just Richard I are talking. There's no, I don't have any doctrinal backup for this, but I, I am fascinated by the study of the brain and the left and the right hemisphere of our physical brain. This is not our spirit. This is our brain. But our spirits use this brain, and we know that the the left hemisphere is sort of the logical, the the linguistic, the one that involves words and so on. And we know that the right—I'm no no expert—but we know the right is where the intuitive 
intelligence is and the metaphorical, sometimes called the metaphorical mind, doesn't deal in words, it doesn't deal in language, it deals more in feelings and emotions. And I find comfort in thinking that when we are told to pray to Heavenly Father, that is words, that is language, that is our left brain, that is one way of communicating. But there is another way, the, the right side of us, the, the feeling, the intuitive, the impressions, the nudges. I like to believe those are Heavenly Mother. And that that's a, a whole different kind of prayer, a different kind of thing that doesn't happen with words. Well, it's inter- interesting. It's so interesting to think about that. I love thinking beyond where you, you know, doing the dishes. <laughs> yeah. um, think about I, it while you're doing the I, dishes. <laughs> I tend to get caught up in what needs to be done today, right now, and what's what's happening, and who needs what, and all that kind of stuff. And I do think that it is so good for your brain to exercise it and think beyond where you normally think. It is really good for your brain, and it's good for your soul. Because, I mean, we don't know, and we can get caught up in a lot of misunderstandings and mysteries and so on. Um, But it really is interesting. Um, Yesterday I was reading, um, actually in the Gibbons book, and they had one little statement that was so interesting. It is, there are so many unknowns in our lives. There are just so many unknowns and things we will not know until we pass on to the next world and or even about other people that we know we they, we just don't know because we're caught up in the white noise of earth mm, and I those like of that, you yeah. who have babies and always have that white noise going so that they won't be disturbed they won't be interrupted by anything but sleep i think this kind of gets us out of the white noise thinking about what really is and what could be and uh, exercising our spirits and you know we want to conclude the show today by turning it where we always try to go, namely to um, our children and to our families if we are parents. And this is where it really gets profound, I think, Linda, to think about the parental God. I think in that case we are dealing with an amazing paradigm shift, right? I mean, if you think of your children as the biological creations of your own bodies, and that's as far as it goes, you almost begin to think you're the owner of your children, and you have you you, you treat them in a certain way, almost as a possession. What a change it is to say, "Wait a minute, this little infant is my sister or my brother. I just came into this sphere of existence." you know, 20 or 30 years earlier. If the reverse had been the case, this little spirit that I'm dealing with as a baby I'm, could have been my parent. And suddenly it's a it's an atmosphere of respect for those children. And stewardship. Imagine you being put in charge of one of your spiritual siblings who's helpless, who's a baby, and you are the steward to teach and raise and love that little child. What what could make anyone a greater parent, or at least a parent who tries harder, than that perception of that child as your spiritual sibling? 
I just love thinking about that. It really helps me when I'm really angry with a child. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah, ponder that in the night when your baby wakes you for the 10th time and you've got a big meeting the next morning and you've already changed the baby and fed the baby and that baby's still and you're getting madder and madder then say, wait a second, this, you poor little thing, you're my spiritual sibling. <laughs> But you're too little to know better. <laughs> well, you know, I, or a teenager who cannot remember to come home at when they're supposed to be home. I mean, you know, you just, you have to give them a break. You have to realize that um, they are learning just like we are learning. And they are truly our dear brothers and sisters in, 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 in addition to a naughty child. <laughs> yeah. So let us end with this. If someone were to say to us, I believe... You know, if someone were to ask the question, what is it that is most important? We wouldn't just say family. We would say eternal family. Yes, absolutely. And with that, we leave you with these thoughts. We love you. Thank you for joining us. And we'll see you next time on Ayers on the Road. Bye-bye.